0: Let's jump right into our teaching this morning, Uh, use this next 45 to 50 minutes to really just kind of head down this road that we've been talking about the last several weeks, uh, talking about obedience. And this particular series is entitled Obedience, the Key to God's Heart. And it's important for us to understand that we should want God's heart, not just his gifts, not just the things that come from him, but we want to be close to him. And part of growing part of maturing, part of being a true child of God is about understanding our Father's heart. And so uh, I'm gonna recap just a couple of things that we talked about over the last couple of weeks, starting with our foundational scripture in John 15 and 10, which we've read many times before, we've said it many times before, read out a couple of translations, but I don't think we can emphasize it enough. Here, Jesus says to his disciples, if you keep my commands, You will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's command and remain in his love. I think that's an important scripture because not only does it uh, persuade us that we should keep his commands. He says the purpose of doing that is so that we get to remain in a place of his love. And Pastor Raph talked about on Wednesday a position of love. And so it's important for us to understand that love is not this little weak thing or this little uh, thing or attitude that we take on and people take advantage of. Love is a position of power. It's a position of strength. And Jesus says, it's so powerful and it's so strengthening that you ought to follow my example. And my example is that I kept my father's command so I could be connected to my father. He says, in fact, Uh, I don't even do or say anything that the father doesn't tell me to do or say. He says, so I do that by staying connected to his heart. The way I do that is by following his commands. We say we love God, but if you look at our actions, does it really show that we love God? And the reason this is so important is because when we were talking about obedience, one of the things that we said is that obedience is really a way to worship him. Obedience is a way for us as individuals to honor and to worship uh, our heavenly father and our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. It is also a way for us to get closer to him. And that should be the goal of every believer. Pastor John and I have been married 28 years. We're actually closer today than we were, even though we thought we were head over heels in love with each other 28 years ago. We're actually more connected now than we were back then. You may originally feel like, oh, God, I love you so much. I love you. I love you. But over time, that should move from just beyond a a feeling to, to your actions. And the way that it moves to your actions is that you actually start to obey what it is that God is saying. Well, Pastor Edwin, how do I know what God is saying? You spend time in his word. You spend time in prayer. You go to a good Bible teaching church where they teach you um, the the principles of God and not just just tell you that everything you do is okay and God loves you, you can get away with it all. No, we have to keep the commandments of God. We have to keep the commandments of God. And then we started talking about a couple of weeks ago, these three key points that was really the, the three pillars of our message. The first one was, is that obedience is not optional for the believer. And, and I think I've said it. I think you said it. I think Pastor Rafa said it. I know Nitra said it last week. St. Teresa said it last week when they prayed. We've all been saying this. Listen, obedience is not optional for the believer. In fact, we even on prayer, if you, were, if you joined us, I believe on Tuesday, Pastor Nitra prayed and we all repented. For all the time we had witchcraft and rebellion and stubbornness in our hearts that caused us to stop from obeying God. And I don't know about you, but I was so excited to see so many people who were saying on that broadcast, I think we had 66 people who, who showed up and were saying, hey, Lord, I repent. I repent. I don't want to be stubborn. I don't want to be uh, bullheaded. I don't want to be a person who wants to do it my own way. I want to obey you. I want
1: to. Y'all put that in the comments. Say, I (laughs) want to obey God.
0: And so we talked about how in first John two, three and four says for us that we have a way to determine whether our love is genuine, right? We can determine. We can determine. It doesn't have to just be lip service because it says, and this is how we may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know him. Remember we said that supposed to, we should be getting to know him better and better each day. He says to perceive, recognize, understand, and become better acquainted with him if we keep, bear in mind, observe, and practice his teachings, Verse four says, whoever says I know him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments, his teachings, he's a liar. And the truth of that gospel is not in him." And so it literally says to us, you can determine for yourself whether you truly love God or not. And the way you can do that is by look at what happens when God tells you to do something you don't want to do. Because let's just be honest, it's pretty easy to do something you want to do. It's pretty easy if God says, hey, I want you to receive that check for $500. Yes, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. (laughs) But when he says, hey, I want you to sew a check for $500. The devil uh, is a lie. The devil is a lie. I rebuke you, Satan. No, no, no. Are you able to follow everything that God said? And I think we said one of the times we were first teaching this broadcast is that part of our level of maturity is being able to praise God when he tells us no, the same way that we praise God when he tells us yes. And I think when we understand that obedience is not optional, we get joy out of obeying God, even if he says, don't do it.
1: No, I have a great example. Mm -hmm. One of our partners, I was talking to one of our partners on Friday, and she was talking about basically this process of maturing her that the Holy Spirit had her in, right? She really wanted another job, right? Mm -hmm. She was applying for jobs. She was sewing for jobs. All of this stuff was happening, right? Nothing was breaking through, right? She said, the Lord just kept telling her, do what I tell you to do, Mm. do what I tell you to do. Well, it turns out that the head of her job was replaced with somebody who's better. Mm. But more importantly, that person created another position for which she had influence over who was hired. And the Lord said, this is the person that I want hired. Mm. And she said to me, it blessed me so much. She said, I learned. That it's bigger than me. That sometimes the reason you can't move yet. Sometimes the reason that you can't go yet, sometimes the reason that you need to stay in a place and you need to not do something, even though you want something else, is because God has something else in motion. And she said to me, she said, it has changed my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. She, said it, she said, it helps me understand before how selfish, self-centered I was That everything God did, in my mind, I had to be in the center of it. So if God said no, if God said wait, if God said hold on, it was like, does God not love me? Does God not see? Does Mm -hmm. God not care? And she says, now I feel like I'm partnering in what God is doing.
0: Anytime God is asking us to do anything, he is literally asking us to do that thing so that he can do something in us. In us. He can do something through us. Through us. And he can do something for us. For us. And I always put the for us last because I think sometimes we switch that and we think that God's asking us to do something so he can be a blessing to us. But anytime God is asking us to obey in any situation. It's always bigger than us, Pastor Sean. It's always bigger than us. Always. He wants to do something in us first. He He wants to fix. He's asking us to obey because there's something on the inside of us that needs fixing. And praise God, he loves us enough to give us the option to participate with fixing what's broken. So he does something in us. Then he does something through us because our obedience, obeying him, always sets up somebody else to be blessed. It always sets up someone else to be blessed. That's God, so, no, God no, no. already knows what he's going to do. So he asks us who say we love him to obey him so that he can then be a blessing to maybe those who don't know him. So literally God asks us to obey mm-hmm. him so he can move through us yes. to help somebody else. Yes. Amen. And then as a result of that, it is for us.
1: It is for so us. So
0: it is. it is in us, through us and for us. And so obedience is not an option.
1: And what I really hope comes out of this series is that we all begin to develop the maturity to be able to have joy, to be able to have peace, to be able to stay in thanksgiving even when the season isn't moving as fast as we want it to move, that we say, but I still trust God, but he's still the most important thing in my life. I won't go off and do it my own way. That's what we see from Jesus. When Jesus is in the garden and it has come to his humanity, um, you about to go to this Mm -hmm. cross. Mm -hmm. The Bible says he prays and he says, is there another way to get your will done? He says, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And I hope this series for many people have brought you to a place that you say, nevertheless, not my will. I think for so long, yes God is a good guy. Yes God, but I I like your point where you say we think it's for us. We think for us is the starting point, right? right? So when we think for us is the starting point, we allow our flesh and the enemy to manipulate us when it's when he's like, "No, this is the path you need to go Especially through."
0: Especially if you don't if you if you operate from the standpoint that me my obeying God is for me, and then what God has asked you to do, you don't see it as beneficial to you. Then, see, then you stop. But if you understand that whether he say yes or no, it's to fix something in you. It's, it's to make you better. It's to cause you to be grander than you are. If that's your starting point, it's hard not to always want to be better. It could, i might not see the four as, as beneficial but but i have to understand that if it's if it's gonna work inside of me first it's gotta at least that's how i see it, it i was like if this is this is in me first god wants to do he wants to fix something in me first he, he wants to close to perfect he wants to, he, he, wants to he wants to close a door in my life that if i don't close something bad gonna creep through it right and then as a result I got to remember about the kingdom. It ain't just about me. It's about everybody. It's about so he everybody. wants to do something in me and then throw me for other people. If I can get past those two, I'm bound to receive the for me part. I'm bound to receive the for me. Is so, you know, someone
1: asked me, they asked me, why would I teach healing school for free Monday through Friday for an entire month? I said, because God told me to. Yeah. I
0: mean, as really, freely as you have received, freely, give. freely, give. that's what
1: he told me to do. Yeah. And I said, But here's the benefit of it teaching it solidifies it more in me. Mm-hmm. But teach, so
0: that's the in you
1: part, that's the in me, being
0: obedient. It's
1: being obedient, it solidifies it more in me. So I become more and more and more convinced. Yeah. Right. But it also it does something for people. Right. Yep. And then I was thinking, but you know, the blessing I really get out of this, you know, we have like 200 and I don't know, but 200 people that have signed up over 200 people who've signed up to participate in healing school. Right. And I said to them on Friday, can you imagine how different the world would be if 200 people know how to activate healing? Yeah.
0: And some of those people are not from the United States. They're not from a, the United a, a, States. a nice portion of them are other because I think you can go ahead and mention where all the places you said you had them from India. Uh, I know you said- uh, South Africa,
1: Nigeria, St Martin, the United Kingdom, Canada Can- Canada, I almost say Camden Canada and the Bahamas, right? Mm. And so it's a, so not India yet, but I believe oh, okay. that I received that right? And so, I mean, and it's just like, man, we have people from all over the world that are watching and people who are sending testimonies about how God is encountering them. But it starts with one person's obedience. And the thing that I always say to the people in inner circle, when they say to me, Pastor Sean, thank you for your yes. I appreciate them saying Mm -hmm. that. But I say as much as you think my yes or the yes of Pastor Edwin and I at Fellowship of Champions means to you, your yes means that to somebody else.
0: In you, through, through you, and you, and for you.
1: Which is why I believe one of the things that obedience is designed to do is to break us from the fleshly need to be selfish.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is so good. And So the question then becomes, okay, Pastor Edwin, how do I make obedience non-optional? Well, Psalms 119 and 11 says, this is what you have to do. The psalmist says, Lord, your word have I laid up in my heart. What? that I might not sin, sin against, against you. you. So when it comes down to it, what I have to learn to do is I have to be a person who is willing to go, you know what? I'm going to spend time in the word. I'm going to honor those four commitments that FOC talked about. I'm going to honor the fact that you know what? I'm not going to miss a service. I'm going to honor the fact that I'm going to spend time in my word daily. I'm going to honor the fact that so, pastor Lord. said it's important to pray in tongues. So I'm going to spend time praying in tongues. Maybe I don't have the endurance to do it for a whole hour at a time. But you know what? I got five minutes. I got five minutes even if i have to do that five minutes 12 different times i got five minutes and then what i'm going to do is i'm going to make sure that i'm taking communion because it's important and when those things become important to you then you start to read your word daily and then god begin to take you on these journeys because i can't tell you the number of times i sat down to read a small passage and, and because I didn't have a lot of time, and literally that small passage, God will take it and speak to me about it all day long. He'll have examples, and things will come up. Why? Because when you are, when you deem the word is important, the Bible says those with what hunger and thirst after righteousness, they're going to be what be they filled. shall be filled. They shall, they be, shall filled. be. So if that's the case, that happens. So number one, obedience is not optional. Number two, we said that obedience brings blessings. Obedience brings. Blessings. And if obedience is going to bring a blessing, then we have to ask ourselves who are the blessed of God? And we talked about that on last week. We said those who trust the Lord are blessed. We said those who reverence God, and we use that word fear, but not like, oh my God, I'm terrified of God, but it's the, it's the off factor of God. Those who reverence God, those whose sins are forgiven. Well, whose sins are forgiven? Those who are born again. Praise God. Those who are born again. Those who show up blameless. What does it mean to be blameless? Does it mean to be perfect? It doesn't mean to be perfect. What it does mean is that every opportunity I have, I'm trying to get it right. I'm not looking for ways to disobey. I'm not looking for loopholes. I'm looking to obey God in both the spirit and the letter of the law. And when we said those who then obey God, those who walk out the law of God, we know it's so important that that, you know, Pastor Ralph was talking on Wednesday and he was talking about how, you know, my job in his life, your job in his life is is to is to see the blind spots in his life. Well, that's true of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit sees the blind spots in our lives. He can look down the road. He can look around the bend. He can look under, he can look over the mountain, under the valley. Everything that's coming our way. Holy Spirit has the ability to see what's coming. And just like a parent's job is to keep their kids safe, Holy Spirit's job is to keep us safe. But how can he keep us safe if we shrug off everything he tells us to do that we don't want to do? How can he keep us safe that way? And there's so many Christians who literally have given up on God because of their own disobedience. They disobey what Holy Spirit said, something bad happened, and then they blame God. It's the equivalent of a child saying, hey, I don't want to listen to you. I'm going to keep standing up on this swing and swinging on it. And then they fall and break their arm and they say, oh, it's your fault that I broke my arm. You told me not to do it, but I kept on doing it, but it's your fault. What sense does that make? But we do that with God all the time. And so we got to make sure that we understand it. Look, this obedience thing is designed to bless us. What is a blessing? An empowerment. An empowerment. It's designed to empower us to live above everything that comes our way. If I obey God, does that mean I'm never going to have problems? Absolutely not. Dr. Ivy Healy says it like this, and I love it when he says it. He says that being born again does not exempt you. From From life's problems. Life challenges or life problems. It does not exempt you. But what it does do though, it puts you in a position to always rise above. That's what obedience does. It doesn't exempt you from life's challenges, but it always helps you to rise above them. So
1: then number three is about obedience is tied to truly knowing God and loving Him. Mm -hmm. And so I wanna use there, there's so much good to say here, but I wanna use my own journey. In my marriage, to talk about this, um, one, I think it's important that we realize that the relationship that we have with God is a covenant. Mm-hmm. Jesus' job was to save us, our job is to obey, amen. So, Jesus did not save us to sin, Jesus saved us from sin. Come on now. Jesus did not save us to sin. And you know that this has been on my heart, I mean, literally probably the whole time that I've really been walking with the Lord, but it just gets more intense at some times. And it is so, it so grieves my heart to how, it so grieves my heart to how people say they love Jesus, but they are not bothered or convicted by their sin, right? Because what I know that it means, and I'm not talking about shame. I'm talking, because shame is demonic. Mm -hmm. I am talking about finding out that something disappoints the person you are in covenant with, the God who redeemed you, and saying, I really would rather die than do that again. Mm. Now, I'm going to tell y'all something. This just is how God wired me. But as a kid, I grew up in church and I don't know where I got this from, but we heard some message about the Antichrist. Okay. So I'm a kid with no understanding. And all I knew about the Antichrist is that the Antichrist wanted to overthrow Jesus. So as a kid, I used to pray to the Lord God, honest truth if I'm ever going to be the Antichrist, just take me home. Mm. Because the Bible says in Matthew, it would be better to cut off your leg than allow your leg to keep offending God. Now, you may go, that's really extreme. But I really believe at that point, God was developing in me this heart that as a kid, I used to say, I would rather come home than be the person who opposes you. So I understand that I said in a very extreme extreme seat there, but I don't know that it's extreme. I think it should be normal. And I say this in our marriage, because when we don't care about offending our God, we either don't love him or we're operating in some kind of offense mm, against him. Mm. And I want to say this because in the beginning of our marriage, I didn't want to do anything to disappoint you. Mm. And then you did a couple things that I didn't really like. And you talked to me in a couple of ways that I didn't really like. So I developed this thing. Yeah, I love you. But if something bothers you, that's really on you. You work that out however you want to work it out. And I can remember times when you would be upset with me about something and I would really only be upset because you were calling me out about the thing. Mm. I didn't really, I'm just, I didn't really have a heart to be better. I had a heart for you to stop talking to me about the thing that you wanted me to change. And then as we kept working on our marriage, I noticed that there became this thing that if something was important to you, it became important to me. Mm. If you said to me, Sean, it bothers you when you do this to me, that it became important. Anybody married probably knows exactly what I mean, where it's like, listen, I love you. But at the end of the day, I'm, i really, I'm really not that committed to changing the thing that you don't like. And I mean, and I think it's, I think anybody who's honestly been married and walked through anything knows that. But the challenge is, is that here we are with God who is perfect. So God has never wronged us. He's never been the wrong one in the scenario. Now with me and you, I've been the wrong one. You've been the wrong Mm -hmm. one, but with God, he's never been the wrong one. But many of us have developed that same callousness toward God to say, yes, I want you to give me a better job. Yes, I want you to protect me. Yes, I want to go on vacation. Yes, I want my kids to be blessed. But this little thing that bothers you, I'm not that interested in changing it. It is what it is.
0: Yeah, and I think the, the, the key point in that, you know, goes back to the key point. Obedience is tied to truly knowing God and loving him. As I said at the beginning, when we first met, we knew we wanted to be together. We quote unquote loved each other as best we could, but we didn't really, we, we knew each other six months and 13 days. We knew God called us to be together, but we didn't really know each other. That's good. We didn't really know each other, not in the way that we know each other now. So it is easy when you don't know God to get offended with something you think God did. Ooh. Now we know God's perfect, Ooh. right? But, but, but let's be honest. There are people who think God didn't show up. They think God didn't move. They think God didn't come through. And if you don't really know God, if you don't really know him intimately, you ain't spent that much time with him. It is easy then to get that callousness about, well, it is what it is in the same way that you did with me in the same way I did with you until we took the time to really get to know each other. The more you know someone, the more intimately you know them, the less you want to hurt them unless there is something just really wrong with you. Unless there's something something really, really wrong wrong with you. you, you don't want to purposely hurt the people that you love. So that is true where God is concerned. The more we know God, the more we treasure him, then the less we want to hurt him, in this case, through our disobedience. We don't want to do that. And scripture backs that up. Scripture backs that up. If you look at 1 John uh, two and five in First John two and five. One of the things it says it says, but he who keeps treasures 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 what the gift that he give you his word his word not the not the not the things that he gives you that that are that are physical or tangible. It says, but those who keep or treasure his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes that means to to see it and to do it. His message in its what entirety, because we know that partial obedience is what disobedience. This is truly in him. Truly in that person who does those things has the love of and for God been what perfected, matured, matured, so- completed, reached maturity. It says, "By this we may perceive." Who may perceive? We can. We can perceive it for ourselves. We may know, recognize, and be sure that we are where? In him. In How? Him. Because we de- our desire is to please him, even when it makes us uncomfortable. Even when it makes us uncomfortable. When the Lord said to me, I want you to do what I told you to do, no matter what she says or what she does, that was uncomfortable for me. I was not used to. To letting someone do or say something that I thought was mean or backhanded or slick mouth, and I didn't re- respond to it. But when I, but it, it came down to who are you going to please the most? You say you love God. Are you going to obey God or are you going to obey your flesh? You say you want to remain married. You say you want a happy marriage. Are you going to try to do it yourself? Are you going to do it the one? Are you going to obey the one who made the person who you say you want to be with? Well. And that's what it became well, down to. And we
1: have for to for the record, it- I'm not mean though. Okay. <laughs> for the record. I may be slick mouth. I, 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 I noticed you did not say you wouldn't no, slick mouth. No, no. I may okay. be a little that- slick mouth, but I'm not mean. <laughs> okay. okay. All, for right, the right. All right.
0: I noticed that. Okay. You did not say you wouldn't sleep. I did not say that. So so my point was <laughs> is that I have to get to the place where who do I love the
1: most. And the truth of it is, I always say, you taught me this when you were a teacher. If the majority of the class is failing something, then somewhere the teaching was wrong. Yeah. And I believe we as leaders, I don't mean me and strict. And it's so funny because I talked to my friends about this who are in ministry and they say, they, they say, you say we like it's all of us. It is, yes. it's all of us. Yes. And somewhere we did you guys a disservice because we made you think that because Jesus loved you, You did not have any responsibility to love him back. Mm. And so you we created this false gospel for Mm -hmm. you that says Jesus loves you. He doesn't care what you do. He you can. And here's the thing. Can you come to Jesus however you want to? Yes and no, because you can only come to God through Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you can't come to Jesus through Buddha. You can't come to Jesus through Heidi Christner. There is
0: only one and, way to and come. Here's what we will tell you, and we'll tell you this to the end of time. At Fellowship of Champions Church International, as long as it is pastored by Edwin and or Sean Strickland, there is but one way to the Father. That's all we'll ever teach. And it is through Jesus Christ. And I want you to be clear on that because because sometimes people be like, well, what do y'all believe? Let me tell you what we believe. We believe that there is one way to the father and that is only through Jesus Christ.
1: And, and so, no, absolutely. Jesus is the only way, the, only the way. way, the truth and the life. It's him. No
0: man comes but, to the but, father except by him.
1: But in teaching God is love. In the definition, the way humans know love, you have created a God that thinks that you think thinks anything goes right. And I was thinking about this people get upset because you say there's a certain way you should dress for church. People get upset because they say, if you're a believer, there's a certain way you should live. And what they want to come back with and say, well, God loves us. Yes. He loved us so much that he wrapped himself in flesh to come and rescue us from sin, not to free us to be rebellious. Amen. And I think that this is so important because I think there's also a maturity that you would look in a parent child relationship. The more you mature, the more you understand the sacrifice your parents made for you. And the more you understand the sacrifice your parents made for you, then the less you want to cause them any stress and strain because of the sacrifice that see when I hear a kid say, I didn't ask to be here. You owe me this. All I hear is immaturity Mm -hmm. because anybody who understands when you begin to understand the sacrifice that your parents made, Even when you wouldn't have done it that way, but you say they they did good by me, then there is a maturity, there is a thing that you would do for them just out of your love and honor. But the reality of it is, is that as a whole, we don't have a society with a lot of love and honor. What we have is a society that says you should be able to come anywhere you want to, even into the house of God and do anything you want to do. And if you don't let us do it, you don't love Jesus. No, you are deceived and you don't have intimacy with God, yes. because when someone has and, and, and you know, we've been in ministry for know for 22 years we were 27 when we started ministry my god we was young when Mm -hmm. we started ministry right well we've had some maturity that we've had to do when i look back at my own life and go i had the audacity to say that i would not correct people anymore Mm -hmm. because i got offended at how the people talked Mm -hmm. about me what I can tell you is that that just meant I didn't love God more than I love myself. Right. It meant that I loved my reputation, I loved my feelings, I loved my desires so much that I was willing to say to God, I will ignore and disregard your word in order to do what I want to do. Absolutely. Now, I just want to know can anybody else tell that kind of truth about themselves? That but what we should see is that the immaturity I had at 35 should not be the immaturity that I Mm have at 50. There should be some growth. And I was talking to you yesterday and I was saying, I do not care what anybody says about me. I will never stand before the Lord again and tell the Lord, I won't do what you told me to do. Why? Because Because I'm offended
0: for some reason. Because because offense shows that I'm immature. And and that's really when you think about when it says, when Jesus says, if you obey, that word obey, if you look at it in the, the, I think it's in the Kona Greek or whatever it's called. If you look at that word, it literally means continuously. It doesn't mean a one-time thing. And I think sometimes we, we're like, God, I obeyed you. But it's not this thing of just obeying one time. It's like, wait, I'm, I'm continuously obeying God. It, imp- it implies a continuous action. It means to continue on and on and on and on. And then here's the benefit of it, right? John 15 and 14. Yes. John 15 and 14 says it so plainly that it, it's like, why would you not want to obey God? It says, you are my friends. If what? If you you keep keep on doing, doing, that's what he was talking about. John 15 and 10 talks about obeying. John 15, 14, he comes back and he says, now, if you're my friends, if you keep on doing, if you keep on doing the things which i command you to do so sometimes and i'm not trying to be funny people are singing that song i am a friend of Ooh, god I can't stand you, you're lying. not his friend and not unless he, he gives a qualification to be his friend and god gets to decide just like we do who our
1: friends are and he's, and, and he jesus
0: says, says here's the test though here's the test you're my friend if you keep on doing what i command you to do so there's no guesswork in this you don't have to be like oh i wonder if i'm god's friend or not ask yourself am i doing the things god told me to do if you're doing those things, not one, but if you're doing all of those things that God is telling you to do, you're doing it from a pure heart, then you can say that you are a friend of God because Jesus tells us, if you keep on doing. If you keep on doing. Keep on doing.
1: He didn't say, our friendship is forever no matter what you do. He says, if you keep on doing if these you things. you keep on doing these things that I command you to do. So how do you develop a friendship with God? How do you develop a friendship with God? You were developing a friendship with God every time you treated me the way he told you. Even when you wanted to do something yes. else, that's when you were developing a friendship with God. You were not developing a friendship with God when God was telling you to be quiet and you kept talking. Yep. Same for me. Yep. We're developing a friendship with God when God when we are doing what He tells us to do. And anybody who is teaching something else is teaching another gospel that Paul warned about. I, I I'm deceiving my I am deceiving myself. To say, I am a friend of God, where uh, literally my life is filled with disobedience and rebellion. Am I a child of God? Yes. Does God love me? Yes. How many of you love people that's not your friends? Mm. I love a lot of people, but you're not my friend. But you're not a friend. So we're not saying God doesn't love you. We are saying that obedience is the key. Why God, you here's the thing until you commit to obey, you obey, then you understand. Mm-hmm. It is the obedience that puts you in position to be able to even understand the mind of God because many of the things He tells us to do, because our thinking is not His thinking on the front end, don't even make sense to Mm -hmm. us. It's just like the young lady who was talking about how God had her stay at that job and she didn't understand why. It didn't make sense to the end of the matter. And so he says, if you obey me, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father. He said, I obeyed. This this is really what Jesus said. I obeyed so you could. Mm -hmm. Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus obeyed so I can't. He
0: became my example. Even though he was like, even though I have all of this authority and all of this ability, at the end of the day, I'm gonna do what my father told me to do. Um,
1: At the end of the day, I'm gonna do what my father told me to do. And it was
0: interesting, too, because when we talk about Jesus, you know, we understand that Jesus was 100 percent man. We also understand that he was 100 percent in his divinity. We understand that he came as the word of God. Wrapped himself in flesh and lived among men to give us examples Even Jesus, the Bible says, had to learn obedience obedience. Somebody says, well, wait a minute What do you mean Jesus had to learn obedience? It's not that Jesus didn't know how to obey Because in his deity, he, he, he was perfect in his obedience Teach it, babe What he was is showing us how we too can be born again In our divinity state And also live in a fleshly body But yet still obey." He says, I'm going to teach you how to learn to obey. So these next several things that we want to talk about real quick is how do you learn to obey? Because those were the benefits of obedience, getting close to God, understanding it's not optional, understanding we get blessed by it. But how do we, as, as believers today, look at the life of Jesus and extrapolate from his life? How do we how do we simulate that? How do we obey as well? And the first thing we have to do is we have to learn to wait up on the Lord in prayer. What does it mean to wait up on the Lord in prayer? Does that mean I just pray and I just wait around and don't do nothing? No, the Bible says in Isaiah 40 and 31, but they who wait up on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It means that when I am communing with God, I am not just talking to God about what I want to do. I'm listening for what he wants me to do. I'm listening for his audible voice, his rhema word. I'm looking for, I'm looking for his, his written word, his logos word that comes to us. I want to know what it is that God wants me to do in this specific situation. I wait on the Lord in prayer. And then when I hear God, I do that thing you talked about last week. I confer no longer. with With flesh flesh and blood. blood. I don't go and ask my friend, what do you think? I don't even go and ask my my pastor, what do you think? Now, when I say that, I don't mean that you don't ever ask us anything. What I mean is though, if you have heard from God, if you've developed your hearing, that is your best best direction. Because even if you miss it, trying to obey God, God will fix it. That's what Pastor Tony taught me, and I live by that. That if I hear from God, I do not confer any longer with flesh and blood. I follow God. But at the same time, I got to understand God ain't telling me to do something against his word. Say that. No, no, no. no, It's it's the people I hear who be like, well, the Lord told me X, Y, Z. And I'm like, but his word says something in the direct opposite of that. So I don't know what spirit told you that, but it wasn't a holy one. God didn't tell you that there's God's never going to tell you it's okay to fornicate. Never. He's never going to say, well, it's it's, it's okay. You're not married. You can fornicate because God knows I know you get horny. It's just not going to happen. Any of that stuff that you're saying that God told you that the Bible goes strictly against y'all are missing it. So that's why you need to go back and wait in prayer. So the first thing you got to do to learn obedience is learn how to talk to God and hear from God in prayer and then obey. I love that you and and but think
1: but think in Isaiah 40. Look at the promise he says. He says when you wait on the Lord, what's he gonna do? Mm. He's gonna renew your strength to obey. If
0: it say, like, what is he, renew your strength to what? To, to, to obey. obey.
1: He says if you get before the Lord and you say, and there will be times in your life where the Lord is gonna ask you to do something. Hear me, hear me. There are going to be times in your life where the Lord is going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. He is going to ask you to walk away from a relationship. He is going to ask you to serve somebody in a way that you don't want to serve. And what do you do? You get before the Lord. And when you're before the Lord, really waiting on the Lord says to me like this, wait, how can I serve you? Mm -hmm. Waiting on the Lord says to me, I need to have your heart on this matter. So I'm sitting in your presence until I get your heart Mm -hmm. on this matter. I'm waiting for the strength that comes when I allow myself to have the same heart as you do. Then he says, you're going to mount up on wings as eagles. You're going to begin to soar above situations that used to hold you back. And then you're going to run and not get weary. Mm -hmm. B Develop a love for the word of the Lord So A was learn to wait on the Lord in prayer But B was develop a love for the word of the Lord Somebody
0: somebody type in the comment section We ain't had you do this a lot today I love the word You ought to type that in the comment section It's about 83 of y'all on here 83 people ought to be saying I love the word If you don't love the word of God How can you say you love Jesus When Jesus is the word Now, (laughs) I just want to say this. If
1: you don't love the word, you don't love Jesus. And I'm just going to tell you. You know why? Because I love me some Edwin Strickland. You know what else I love? His words. Even the ones that get on my nerves. And he do be getting on my nerves sometimes. But let me tell you something. He will be harassing me. He will be getting ready to run errands. And I will ride with him, so I can continue to be harassed by him because I love him. You cannot tell me you love God and you don't love His words. I love. If if you tell me words. that every time you try to read the, the Bible, you fall asleep, you don't love
0: Jesus because you don't you, go to sleep during P Valley. Well, take <laughs> off or saints. you don't go to sleep when you're watching some of them other shows. not so, our, so if you so if you don't go to sleep then. Then, if you love that, then don't go to sleep when you're reading the word. You don't don't go, use the word as as melatonin.
1: You don't go to sleep when you sexting.
0: Mm. Be wide awake. Wide. You, you awake.
1: done. You done dozed off to sleep and got that <laughs> hey big head comment, and then you done got up fully awake and sat in but bed. Sat up in bed. Sat up in bed. No, somebody has to tell us the truth. Yeah. Somebody has to tell us the truth because if you can wake up to do all these other things but one scripture who i'm so tired i'm so distracted you don't you don't know it mm. you don't know the word is life someone asked me i was talking about this someone said i noticed that you and pastor elwin even on vacation y'all were still talking about jesus well I
0: don't even understand what you're saying. We wouldn't even be on vacation if it wasn't for Jesus. I don't
1: even understand what you're saying. And I said, the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone. And I know that someone says that. I know someone says that because they don't see the word as bread. Because I went on vacation, I still was I still breathe mm-hmm. because I saw that as life. I went on vacation, I still drank some water mm-hmm. because I saw that as life. I went on vacation, I still ate food because I saw that as life. So if you go on vacation and you don't get in the word, it's because you don't see the word as life. The reason you can go 10, 15 days and not pick up your Bible and not stop and talk to God is that you don't see him as life because anything we see as life we make a necessity
0: that's just facts well I, that's just facts. i don't know if he, i don't
1: know if bell is on here hillary bell is on here but she said that a couple of years ago i had forgot i even told her this she was talking about she was like how do you develop the discipline to read the word every day And I asked her, I said, do you brush your teeth every day? Right. And and she said, yes. And I said, you brush your teeth every day because you see it as a necessity. So when you tell me that you brush your teeth every day, I know that you have the capacity to do what you think is necessary. The challenge for most believers is that you don't see God and his word as necessary until you're in crisis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When you're in crisis, now you got your Bible out, your commentary, you're listening to preaching all the time, but you don't see it as necessity. Now, listen, if you got kids, if you've ever been waking up late to work, you may have all made it all the way to the door and went, oops, I didn't brush my teeth. You go come back and brush your teeth. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's important. If you went to work, you say, baby, I got to go over here to Target. I got to go to Walgreens.
0: Because you don't want to show up with funky bread. you don't wanna- imagine if you didn't want to show up with a funky mindset. Yeah. If you didn't want to show it with a with a, with a funky attitude, if you didn't want to show it with with funky obedience, you would stop and spend time in the word. Yes.
1: So you have
0: to develop a love, love for, for the, the word. word of God.
1: Psalms 119:47 it says for I find my mm-hmm. delight
0: mm-hmm. for I
1: find my delight in thy commandments mm-hmm. with love. Mm-hmm. I find my delight in the Lord. This is so good. Is this resonating with you guys? Do you understand this? Because the very first scripture that Pastor Elwin gave us was really this right here was that we can judge ourselves. We're using these type of examples to let you see you can judge yourself. Mm -hmm. You you don't need me to tell you whether you really love God or not. In the same way that you don't need someone to tell you whether you really love your spouse or not. You can judge yourself and see whether you do. Then see, realize that to obey God often means a head-on collision with human reasoning and the world
0: system Mm, a head-on collision with the world system there are going to be times that you are going to have to ask yourself am i going to obey god or am i going to go with what makes sense and if you ever catch yourself going with what makes sense and not following god you're going to always end up bumping your head you're gonna god all let's put this in the comment section god already knows what he's going to do. I live by that. God already knows what he's going to do. So if I have to choose between obeying God and doing something that, that, that makes more sense based on my educational reasoning, I'm always going to go with God because God already knows the outcome. He already and knows he wouldn't what have he's gonna me to do it a different way if He if I was going to benefit by, by doing it another way. He says, you have your educational reasoning. You have this world system and you can do it that way. But the best outcome is this way. Why wouldn't I obey God? Why wouldn't I obey, Why God? Wouldn't I obey God?
1: We watched a TikTok yesterday. A young lady said she was about to walk into the biggest deal of her life. Yep. She, was about to, she was about to be signed on a podcast for the biggest deal of her life. She took her legal team. And as they read the contract in very small print, it said, If you take this job, if you, I mean, not this job, this contract, you cannot... While
0: she's on the air, she can't...
1: While while she's on the air, she cannot mention the name of Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Yeah. She said it said you can say God, you can say say Allah, you can say Allah,
0: you can say
1: universe, energy, but you cannot say Jesus. And I loved her position. She was like, a lot of people would say It doesn't really matter. And she was like, I am unwilling to compromise what I know about Jesus for this money. But most people don't live that way. Right,
0: because most people would say, well, you know what? I just won't say it on the air, but I'll say it when I get off. But the principle was they were stifling her ability to use the name of Jesus or Holy Spirit. Which she was an like, indictment against yes, Jesus. Absolutely. And she was like, it's not worth the money to me. If this is the contract they have, God has something better for me. And most people have not become that resolute enough to live like that. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, it is the fear of the Lord, the reverential fear, the eye of God, is the beginning of all knowledge. Food despise wisdom and instruction. He said, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But when it comes to me, as for me and my house, we're going to obey God. We're going to obey God because obeying God always puts us in a better position than by our own human reasoning.
1: Well, and here's the thing. I love this young lady's position I did not have it as big as that, but I did have coaches that told me I should stop talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. They was like, you know, you could go further. You could get more clients. You could get more clients if you stopped talking about Jesus. And I was like, well, they they not my clients. because Well, what and, they wouldn't about and even
0: if you didn't talk about it to get them, you what you're called to do is to talk about them in their deliverance and in their growth. So then they would just be, you would be false advertising to those individuals. So that wouldn't be worth it. And then the next thing is D. Once we understand that sometimes we're going to have to collide with human reasoning, the next thing we need to understand is that sometimes God will allow us to walk in the dark places so that we can learn how to trust him. Hear me. I didn't say God puts us in dark places. Help I, I, did not, I did not say God going to kill your mama to teach you something. I did not say God's going to give you cancer so he can teach you something. I did not, let God, I did not say God's going to let you have the abortion so he can teach you to trust in him. That is not what I said. That is not what I said at all. What I said was, is that there will be times when you obey God, things may look dark and there may look dark longer than you want them to look dark. But in doing that, God allows us the opportunity to see whether we're gonna turn back or whether we're gonna keep trusting him. It is why the Bible says in James 1, 2 through 3, counted all joy. Brethren, when you meet various, chi- various trials or, or you fall into various temptations, it says, for you know that the testing of what? Our own faith. We ain't test. God, God ain't being tested. He, he's, he said, hey, look, I know what's in you. I'm trying to let you see what's in you. He said that the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. That's that thing that Pastor Ralph talked about two or three uh, weeks on. Perseverance. When things get tough, am I going to stick through it or am I going to give up? Am I going to cave in or am I going to quit? We have to understand that there are times that we walk through dark spaces, not because God put us there, but it's those opportunities that when we walk through those dark spaces, God is showing us what's in us.
1: It He's reminds a, me of Deuteronomy A when he said he led them through the wilderness so they could see what was in their, their own heart. heart. Yes. And, and, and I think a good example of this is that, you know, the woman with the crews of oil and the meal. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't say it overflowed. Mm-mm. It said that it was enough every time she withdrew. And I know that everybody wants to get to the point of abundance real quickly, but I really believe you learn to trust God Mm -hmm. when you're drawing day by day. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that you learn to trust that the benefit of learning to trust him when you draw day by day is when you have abundance, you don't trust the abundance, you still trust his supply. Day by day. Right. And so we need to understand that there are going to be times that it's going to seem dark. And when it's dark, I want to say this. We don't blame God for darkness. Darkness is the one. God is the one who spoke spoke light. So the enemy comes to do these things to us, and then God in darkness lets us see what's
0: on the inside
1: of us, that we are overcomers. Because here's the promise he makes us, babe, greater is he yeah. that's in us.
0: You know, if you ever been in a cave or any dark, dark space where it's pitch dark, kind of dark where you can't see your hand in front of your face, you can light a small lighter and it light the whole room. That little light just, just overtakes all that darkness. That's what God's word does in our heart. When things get dark in our life, that word ought to be illuminating everything. Yes, for us. Yes, yes,
1: But if yes, you don't yes. have
0: the word, if you haven't fallen in love with God's word, then when it's when it is dark in your life, it stays dark because you don't have the word of God to illuminate that light in your life. The next thing we need to understand in intimacy building with God is that we have to expect that
1: sometimes they're going to be inner struggles.
0: Lord, there's going to be some there's going like
1: to be inner struggles. And the reason it's going to be inner struggles is because we still have something in us that's an enemy to God. Our flesh, our flesh, our flesh is still gonna, there are going to be times it's going to be an inner struggle because
0: you can't kill your flesh one time.
1: Got to kill your flesh all it's the time, daily,
0: it's you multiple kill kill times. Your flesh a day. All the time, you always are trying to kill that thing. It, it is the most resilient part of us if we ain't careful because it'll rise back up every chance it gets. You have to kill that flesh.
1: And it's one of the challenges of the uh, one of the uh, manipulations of the enemy is to make you think your flesh is the real you. Mm. So then, when God is trying to get you to kill your flesh instead of participating with Him. You end up not participating with him, and this is the thing I've learned. You can play with sin a little bit, and then sin go play with you.
0: But you're gonna always get burned. No, yeah, you're yeah. gonna always get burned playing with sin. Yeah, you, Ever said sometimes always. you
1: got to kill that flesh hourly. No, yeah, real, talk, real talk. Sometimes you got to kill it hourly yeah. because of the inner struggle. Romans 7.15 says, I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. That's
0: that inner struggle Paul That's that about. inner
1: struggle where yeah. you have to crucify your flesh. Now I'm going to give you a practical thing People who don't practice fasting struggle to crucify their flesh. Yeah. If you want to be a person who can crucify your flesh, you should practice fasting.
0: If you can, if
1: you can, clo- if you can stop taking in food, you, a lot of things get easier.
0: You know, it's, 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 it's something I told someone one time, and, and it really worked for them. They were struggling with pornography. And I said to them, "Do you have a laptop?" And they said, "Yes." I said, "When you are when you are watching pornography, are you taking your laptop and going somewhere in your house by yourself?" They said, "Yes." I said, "Okay. If it's a struggle for you, get a desktop. Put the desktop computer in your living room, so that when you're living the, when you're using the computer in your living room and you get the desire to watch porn, you know you're not going to watch it there in front of your wife and kids." Sometimes we have to discipline ourselves till we get to the place that we can spiritually get rid of some things. I'm not a kind of person who says, you just have to be like, I'm spiritually delivered. You can put roadblocks in your own life to help you stop from sin. And then as you're doing that, then you develop yourself in a spiritual standpoint that you can get over something. And what most people want is they just want something to happen to them spiritually and it all goes away. But if you have an addiction to anything, whether it's food, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, sex, whatever the the whatever the, the whatever the thing is that pulls at your flesh, you have to put natural roadblocks in your That's life good to stop yourself from accessing those things. Do you have roadblocks, people? And Do I'm, you have roadblocks? You have to have roadblocks. Do you have roadblocks? You you can't you can't be a person who is uh. Who's 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 addicted to sex and always find yourself in places where a bunch of single people wanting to have sex are. You can't do that. You're going to have sex. You cannot be a person who says I want to stop smoking cigarettes, but you keep buying them at the store and you keep going out on break when
1: everybody else. You I'm just gonna stand up here and put talk to y'all. Boundaries in your life. Do you have boundaries in your life? And we both have boundaries in our life. And there's
0: nothing wrong with saying, Hey, I know my own proclivities. I have to be careful not to put myself in situations where the very thing I desire is easily accessed to me. I, I can't do it. You know, if you're a person who loves a snack at night, then you need to lock your snacks up somewhere and give somebody else the key. Do whatever you have to do naturally until you can get to that part that, that you have now conquered that thing. That's the advice I give to people because I just don't believe in the idea of saying, "Well, just fake it till you make it." No, don't fake it. Put some natural roadblocks in your life to stop you from accessing those things that are taking you down there. Some roadblocks, some bumpers, and some accountability. Some accountability. Because I always say to That's people, why I said, "Put, right put here. that laptop in your, put, put that desktop in there." Because I bet you, I, even, I, I, I bet, bet
1: you, you' gonna watch that porn with your spouse walking I, I, by and, and your kids in there. I bet I you're not bet gonna do. It's like he said it worked for him. I'm sure it did because we put the roadblocks there until our brain can can. Because really the problem with addiction is that the addiction kicks in before your natural thoughts do. Right. So you put the roadblocks in life. Is this helping somebody? You put the roadblocks in place. So that there are times for you to push yourself back, push yourself back, push yourself back. And also good accountability. I can remember years ago when our church was abundant life, college students who did not want to have sex, who had made a decision that they weren't going to fornicate, would call me. Mm -hmm. They they didn't call me at four o'clock in the evening because that ain't when most people have sex. They would call me at midnight. Passion. I just want you to know so-and-so just called me. I'm calling you because I want accountability. See, you know whether you want accountability
0: based on who you talk to. Ooh, who you surround yourself with. You know
1: whether you want accountability based on who
0: you, you talk to. You better tame to. that team. You, you better, better ta- tame that team. And we know
1: this because we can see that when people are really committed to living right, mm-hmm. they will spend a lot of time.
0: With other people living right.
1: Living right. But when they aren't committed to living right, you can tell just as good, even in our crew of people who hang together, that when the people don't want to live right they stop coming around why because they don't got they that anybody. other
0: crew they go with. they got that <laughs> other crew
1: because they don't want anybody to say to them mm-hmm. why you cussing on social media mm-hmm. so much they don't want anybody to say that. why you dating this dude mm-hmm. when you know he's just separated from his wife mm-hmm. and he's not divorced mm-hmm. you have to let people be Aye, yeah, yeah. accountability <laughs> in your life Aye, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> all right all right all right make make the decision The next one. Make the decision that there is no substitute for your obedience. That is so plain. Make the decision. There is no substitute for your obedience. You can't
0: give enough. You can't fast enough. You can't serve enough. You can't pray enough. Obedience is obedience. Nothing else substitutes for obedience. Nothing else you do substitutes for obedience. That's all it is.
1: Make the decision. You make it. That there is no substitute for your obedience,
0: and I love this scripture Deuteronomy eleven twenty six through twenty eight. He says, "Behold, I set before you this day a empowerment, an opportunity to be empowered, or the opportunity to be unempowered, a blessing or a curse." He says, "The blessing comes, the empowerment comes, if what you obey the commandments of the Lord your God." which I have commanded you this day. He says, but that unempowerment, that curse, it comes if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I have commanded you this day to go after other gods, small g. Anything God has told you to leave alone and you go after becomes a God in your life. Yeah. He says, which you have not known. He says, literally, you are a born again believer. Stop going after that porn. I I told you to leave that alone. Stop going after that woman. Stop going after that man. Stop going after those drugs. Stop going after that food I told you to leave alone. You're getting sick every other week because you keep eating the thing I told you to leave alone.
1: Stop spending your money like that. Stop it. You keep ending up in a crisis. The reason you never have the money for the things that are unexpected is because you won't listen to me when
0: I tell you how to spend your money. Even when I tell you to stop giving your family money when I tell you to stop giving your cousin money, when I tell you to stop bailing everybody out, you trying to be nice, obey God. If God tells me not to give to you, I love you, but I ain't giving it because I'm not going to be the the person standing between you and God.
1: I love what Trinika said because it's such an old people saying, she said, close the door and stop stop dabbling. Stop dabbling. Stop dabbling. Stop dabbling in sin. And one of the deceptions of the enemy is that he gets you to think it's just a little bit. Yep. It's just a little bit. But it
0: just takes a little yeast but to make the whole cake But it just takes rice. a
1: little yeast. Oh, we were talking about this yesterday when we were walking. One of the things, if you're going to obey God and you're going to stay free, guys, and then we have one more point out of this. You have to understand that there are some things, there are some global things. Mm-hmm. There are global things that mm-hmm. none of us should be doing. Lying, committing adultery, murder, covetousness, all this stuff. But there are going to be personal things that God is going to instruct you to do for your own freedom.
0: And it's going to irk you because you're going to see other people who are doing it and prospering. Why? Because everything I said, I said this before, God gives us universal truths that we need to live by. But he also speaks to us in specific detail about our own personal lives. There are some things he's going to tell me to do, something he's going to tell you to do, and, if, and, and and because he told me not to do it, if I do it, it's sin. But if he didn't tell you to do it and you do it, it's not sin. Because there are some things that he gives us individual choice over unless he says otherwise. Unless he says otherwise. There are just going to be things
1: that God is going to say to you, you don't get to do that too. There is a cost for walking with God. He's gonna say to you, You don't get to do that. You may be with everybody and they eating cheese. He said, Don't you eat that cheese pizza? Don't do that. There, it may be things. I have a very strong word about not drinking. Yep. A very strong word, very strong conviction. I didn't understand it, but I know that part of it is that most prophets don't have permission to drink. When we got to the um, to Mexico, and they handed us that little champagne, baby. I sent that little champagne straight on that table. it stayed there all week because I because what you're not going to do is catch me up with it's just a little bit, and I want you to know this because this is what the enemy does. He said, it's just one sip. Mm-hmm. Just take one sip. Mm-hmm. How many of us have gotten caught up because he said it's just one conversation? Mm-hmm. It's just one sip. It's just one whatever. It's like, man, you got to learn it. When God has told you not to touch
0: something, you don't touch it. My goodness. You don't touch it. My Why are you laughing? You know, I mean, so many people have got caught up. Because somebody said it's just a little something. It's just it's, a little something. I know sip. what you're thinking. Don't <laughs> you dare say it. it strictly... They got caught up. Don't you dare and now say that. And then I
1: got that. 18 years of responsibility. Don't you dare say it. You have to learn not to touch what God has told you not to it's touch. It's just a sip. And you, I, I believe this. If you are disobeying God right now, mm-hmm. And you don't have, you know what he's thinking to <laughs> me. He's so, y'all pray for y'all. Listen, Pastor, I'm oh my you, God. get you caught up. If you are practicing sin, I'm not talking, everybody falls short, but you're practicing sin, and you don't feel any conviction about it. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come touch you. Mm-hmm. I, because it is a, you know what? It's a dangerous thing to get to the point where you have no remorse for sin mm-hmm. the Bible says that's getting that's a it's a reprobate mind and you don't want to be turned over to a reprobate mind because you see all your people just like you they said we the <laughs> air, all your people all your partners know what you' Listen, mean. we
0: don't moved on but I'm just telling you listen it'll get you caught but, up
1: but I want you to stop right now and say sometimes you got to say to the Lord it is very clear to me that I do not feel about this the way that you do mm-hmm. And I need you to cleanse me mm-hmm. because I cannot be this comfortable living in. School. Amen. I cannot be this comfortable living in sin. I may be struggling with something, but I cannot be this comfortable Mm -hmm. with it. I cannot be this comfortable eating what you told me not to eat. I cannot be this comfortable comfortable. in a relationship that you told me not to be in, in a city you told me not to live in, in a church you told me not to be in. I cannot be this comfortable. If I am this comfortable, something is wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, then, last time, the last and this is the most important thing, leave. All of the consequences to our obedience
0: to God, to Mm -hmm. God, learn to leave them all to God.
1: My job is to obey. Yeah. Whatever you go do after that, that's you.
0: Yep. I obey God God and understand that the consequence of obeying God is always to my benefit. That's how you got to live. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 and three, commit your work unto the Lord. What's your work? Your obedience,
1: your obedience, commit
0: your work unto the Lord and your plan. Then it will be what? Established. That's a promise. So I don't have to worry about, well, what if I obey God and this don't work? No, no. It ain't no if this don't work. If I obey God, he establishes my plan, the best plan for me. And so that's important for us to understand. And so as we get ready to close, here's the thing I would ask everybody. And I appreciate the 80, 86 of y'all who hung in here the whole hour and 20 minutes so far since we started this broadcast. Listen, here's the question I will ask you is there any area in your life in which you find yourself struggling to obey God? Those are the questions that need to be answered. Those are the questions you have to ask yourself. God, what area in my life am I struggling to obey? And for some of you, you ain't got to ask God. You already know what it is. You already know what it is. What is preventing you from submitting your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Mm. What's preventing you from truly submitting your life to his Lordship? Is it a he? Is it a she? Is it food? Is it drugs? Is it money? Is it power? Is it influence? Is it prestige? Is it significance? What is it that you will abandon God for? What is it that you will abandon God in order to satisfy yourself with? Those Mm. are the questions that need to be answered. Lord, is there any area? And if so, God, I give that area to you. I repent for making that area of my life my true God. Mm. I repent, Lord, for making that area of my life the truest God in my life. I want you to be the God of my life. That means that whatever it is that has been calling me and I've been obeying mm. and walking away from you, I won't do that anymore. Mm. I'll put up natural roadblocks in my life. If I if I have to get off of social media, if I have to delete some numbers, if I have to, to, to stop responding, if I have to take my phone and leave it in the kitchen when I go to bed at night so that I can't even hear when someone is texting me or calling me for that late night chat we used to have. Whatever I'll, Whatever I need to do, God, I'll do it because I want you to be Lord of my life. But those are the questions that need to be answered. Those are the reflections you got to have today. Do anybody else feel like Valley ought to be on the keyboard and people ought to just be come <laughs> to
1: the altar right now? Just get up and stand in front of your TV and get make an altar call up in this place, man. When you said abandon God, that thing went all over because me because that's
0: what it is. It if, is if, abandoning if, God. If, 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 I, if, if I am being called to sugar. Right? And, I, and the Lord has told me to leave sugar alone, but yet I go to sugar. I've abandoned God to go to it. I've abandoned God. And we all have to think about it in that term because if that, if that becomes your reality, it helps you not to do it. If you see it as abandoning God, it helps you not to do it. Am I going to abandon God for money? Am I going to abandon God for sex? Am I going to abandon God for, for a feel good opportunity? No, I'm not going to abandon God. When God says no, fine, it's no. And if I feel myself still wanting the urge, then what natural roadblocks can I put in my life so even if I have the urge, I don't give into it because I can't, because I can't. This is the face people make when (laughs) they (laughs) preach. If I got to lock my keys up, If I'm I'm used to leaving the house, going out to do something, I ain't got no business, then i get me some kind of safety time lock and put my keys in there. So when they make that phone call and I want to go to that place to do that thing that I've been doing, feeling bad about, but I like doing, I can't even get to my keys. Set up natural roadblocks in your life. I have lots of roadblocks in my life for lots of things. Why? Because I don't trust myself. I trust God, but oh, not that's myself. Cr- oh,
1: no, no, no. I Pre- trust, preacher. God, I trust Pre- God, but not myself. Because I don't trust myself. No, I trust God.
0: I don't trust me.
1: I don't trust myself because I've already proven I'm what I'm proven. capable of. Absolutely. I've already proven that I will abandon God. I have already proven that I will rebel. I don't trust myself. I trust God, baby, you done preached a good word up in here. Claressa said, stop hitting the being abandoned so hard. I feel bad. Or you can stop abandoning God. Uh, Like, really? Because here's the thing. Or, 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 or you can stop stop abandoning abandoning God. God. Listen, guys, when you tell your neighbor, say it is, it is not good to feel shame. It's not. But it is good to
0: feel conviction. It is. It is good to feel conviction. Because how many of you ever felt shame and kept doing it? Shame well, doesn't change maybe take your behavior. Shame take doesn't change time. your behavior.
1: In fact, in fact, what we know from psychological research is that the that the more shame people feel about something, the more they feel that's not a reason to change. Mm-hmm. They feel like they don't deserve to change because they are in shame. Mm-hmm. We don't need shame, but we need
0: conviction. You ought to feel something when you disobey God. And I think sometimes people make, they think that it makes them feel less than when they say, I don't trust myself. You shouldn't trust yourself. Yourself is your flesh. That's the part of us we're talking about. I trust the God in me. It's the flesh in me I don't trust. So I block him out in every way possible so that I always can end up doing what honors my father. You
1: know, we always try to tell a transparent um story. Right. And because I want people to understand this, th- this is to your point. You did not know this story. Yesterday morning, I woke up before you did. And I was watching TikTok. Right. Mm-hmm. There was a story on TikTok about how a mother had killed somebody for touching her kids appropriately, right? Mm. I literally said out of my mouth, I would have murdered them too. The Holy Spirit said, I know you would have, right? The deception is to not believe you have that capacity Mm. in you, to think you have a maturity that you have overcome that you don't have. Baby, I said, it came up out of me so fast, I was like, oh, I'd have definitely killed him too. And the Holy Spirit said, I know you would have. He said, that's why I put certain barriers in your life Mm -hmm. to protect you. Mm -hmm. You didn't even know that that Mm -hmm. when he was saying, I don't trust myself in situations of anger. Mm. i don't trust myself because i know what myself will do if i get enraged i demonstrated it before Mm -hmm. right so if you've ever ended up in the bed with somebody you weren't supposed to be with why would you trust yourself if you you have ever ended up drinking when the lord told you not to drink why would you trust yourself if
0: you've ever done anything that you said you weren't going to do again why would you
1: trust yourself? why would you trust yourself because who's ever said to the lord if I just ain't pregnant this time, mm. if she just ain't pregnant this time, Lord, I promise. And your conviction to not have sex may have lasted seven days. Mm. Maybe, maybe. So you guys, we need to bring our whole selves to Jesus. Amen. So that's what we're doing today. So we want to give you this opportunity. I need to see in the comments, somebody's like, you know what? I just came into another level of obedience. I just came into another level of, of um, dedication. I'm dedicating my life to Jesus, because huh. they say you in my business now, mm-hmm. See, because you don't that prayer and then you went right back. We've all said there was something we weren't going to do. We weren't going to curse anymore. We weren't going to overeat anymore to end up in the same place. So what we're asking you to do is to bring the next level of obedience mm-hmm. to God. I'm bringing all of me to God. I'm bringing all of me to God. And as you do that, I want you to put in the comments, I'm bringing all of me to God. I'm rededicating my life. I'm bringing all of me to God. I'm bringing God deserves more. I'm coming into another level of understanding and obedience. Come on and surrender yourself publicly for everybody to see. I'm giving my whole self to God now father you see the people that have lifted their hands today and said I'm bringing my whole self to God I'm coming into a new area Holy Spirit we ask you to burn up everything that's not like you we give you permission to dismantle every relationship we should not be in we give you permission to dismantle every mindset that we should not have we give you permission to flow in our lives and to allow the will of God to be done we give you permission to cause us to be everything that you have called us to be in Jesus name and we repent for fighting you and we repent for ignoring you and we repent for abandoning you and we repent for pretending that we did not feel your nudge and hear you calling us we are coming home today we are bringing our whole self to you we are not comfortable with our disobedience we are not comfortable with rebellion we are not comfortable acting like the devil because we do not belong to the devil we are bringing our whole self to you we make a decision to turn and Holy Spirit lift your hands if you can Holy Spirit, I Mm. ask you to feel every place that was previously occupied Mm -hmm. by rebellion. I ask you to feel every place that was previously occupied by disregard for you. I ask you to feel every place Mm. that is not like you. I want all of, all of Jesus. I want all of Jesus. Yes. Come on and if you did that give God some praise amen. in Jesus name. I love amen. The saying, I repent. I, repent, I, I belong direction. to you.
0: Yes.
1: I repent. I belong to you. I want to encourage many of you to come to the fire experience December 9th through the 11th. I want you to come to that. It's just going to be a profound week of supernatural, of us repenting, of us laying before the Lord, of us partnering with the Lord. And there are going to be so many miracles, and I would love for you to register and to be a part of that. You can find more information about that on my page. And now it's your opportunity to give. Amen. Now, but as you're preparing to give, because we're 100% tithers in this church, as you're preparing to give, I want to say to you, some of you are watching, and you know you should be partners with this ministry. Oh, and I was
0: going to say something about partnership, because somebody asked me this week. Someone asked me this week. They was like... Like Pastor Edwin, I've been following Fellowship of Champions uh, for over a year. And they said, and, and I started going back to my local church, but the stuff they're teaching at my local church seems to not be in line with the things you've been teaching. And since y'all been teaching, I've been growing and growing and growing. And I'm wondering what I should do. And so I said to them very plainly, I said, listen, you have to understand that sometimes when you are a part of a ministry, it's to grow you to a certain point. I said in your local ministry may have done that. I said, but I'm going to encourage you that you never put yourself in a position where you are having to decide between two different words. I said, if what they're teaching you at your other church is helping you to grow and, and what we're teaching is different, I encourage you to stay there. But if what we're teaching you, you say, is helping you to grow this last year and you keep hearing things you've never heard and your life is being better. But then you go to your local church and it's not what they're teaching and it's against what we're teaching. I said, you're going to have to make a decision. You got to Make a choice. I said, I'm no longer going to tell people, you know, well, it's OK. You can go. Listen, do not undo the work that we're doing with you. If that's the case, make Fellowship of Champions your church. And and she said to me, she said, can I just be a partner with your church and not have a local church? I said, yes, at least until you can find a local church that has a, a teaching that's in line with what we're doing. Because I believe in what we're doing. I believe in what we're teaching. And if it's making you grow, I am telling you, don't keep going to someplace undoing what it is where you say you're growing. So I said I was going to say that and I almost forgot about that until you said partnership. So yes, you can be a partner in both places, but don't be a partner in both places if they're they're, they're pulling you. We're we're telling you about healing, which was the case. We're talking about healing, but the church you're going to is telling you that it's God's will that some get healed and some don't. And you just have to, you can't can't pray for it. You just got to let God decide it. And I, and I was like, listen, that's not what the word teaching. That's not what we teach. And she said, well, since I've been listening to y'all teaching and Pastor Sean's been doing healing school, you know, I've been sharing it and other people are getting healed. I'm like, well, sister, I would suggest to you in the nicest way possible that you just make FOC your home. Then, And so I'm telling some of you out there, you may want to just make FOC your home if you're in that same kind of struggle.
1: What he said, I'm just <laughs> what he said, I'm just going to tell you this. I wouldn't choose a church, a man, a woman, a cow, a car, or a dog over Jesus. It ain't nothing. I'm cheating. So I'm going to be free. I'm gonna be free. And if you are interfering <laughs> with my freedom, then I'm gonna be free.
0: Pastor Nietzsche said, go with the growth. That's what I that's I could have said all of that to her once, go with the growth, baby. Yes. So if
1: you are called to be a partner, then we need you to go ahead and say, I'm a partner. Because we need to know. And we also need Everybody come to the huddle, come to the huddle, come to the huddle. Yeah. Now it's time to give something supernatural happens when you give. Amen. We're believing God man. Listen, there's so many projects that we want to do and things we get to do because of you guys. And we just, and we thank you for your generosity. I was saying to past Ellen, I have a couple of things on my heart. Um, that I want to do, and your giving allows us to be able to impact the world all over the place. Minister Chandra was um, in in is in South Africa this week, and she talked about being at an elementary school um, where the young ladies the the young ladies did not have underwear. And I said, we, we I need to know how to fix that. We we need to know how to fix that. Partnership allows us to be able to do that. To One, touch
0: all the corners of the world. To touch
1: all the corners of the world. Joshua said, I'll be home for the next huddle. Please pray for me as I drive back to Northwest Arkansas yeah, from Arizona today. We are praying for you. Yes. Um, I love what Everett said. This is what partner accountability looks like. He said, if I can drive seven hours, you can too. Come yep. on. No, that's, that's what partner right. accountability that's looks that's like. That's real. Partner accountability says, if I can drive seven hours, you can too. Yeah,
0: You can drive 30 minutes from Bentonville. You can drive 30 <laughs>
1: minutes from Bentonville. Yes, you can. Or 12 minutes from the other side of Fayetteville. Right. All right. Well, we love you all so much. We want to encourage you to show up at church this week. Bring your seed um, to the the Lord. Listen, I want you to call today's seed the increase. seed. Why? Because we want to be able to go into these elementaries and get these young ladies underwear. We want to be able to do all of these things that God is telling us to do. So we're asking you to agree for increase in your life so that the ministry can increase so we can impact more lives. Will you do that before for us, please? So what y'all think about today's message? Good message. Good message. You transformed the seed increase. That's what we're calling our seed today—the seed increase. Why there's so many people to reach. So I'll see y'all tomorrow for healing school. Tamara said not twelve minutes. You know I'm not lying, though. It'd be different if I was
0: lying, right? (laughs)
1: But I'm not. All right. So we want you to apply the message, and we want to see you this week. We love you guys so much.